This is Workers' Comp Matters, hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, the only legal talk network program that focuses entirely on the people and the law in workers' compensation cases. Nationally recognized trial attorney, expert, and author, Alan S. Pierce is a leader committed to making a difference when workers' comp matters. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen to our show today on Workers' Comp Matters. I'm attorney Alan S. Pierce. I'm with the law office of Alan S. Pierce and Associates. I'm located in Salem, Massachusetts, and my firm specializes in representing injured workers in uh, on-the-job injury and workers' compensation claims. Um, today, we have a very special guest. It's Michael Shore. Um, Michael is the managing director of the Occupational Health Institute, which is a subsidiary of an outfit known as Best Doctors, Inc., and he's going to tell us a little bit about uh, what uh, Best Doctors, Inc. and the Occupational Health Institute do and uh, the, his view of workers' compensation, specifically how to make sure that the injured worker, the claimant in these cases, uh, gets the best medical care possible uh, and uh, how he works with both insurers and injured workers through their attorneys or um, directly in trying to achieve that. Michael is a graduate of Boston University School of Public Health, the Syracuse University School of Management, and the Newton Wellesley Hospital School of Nursing. He has served as the chair for cost-effectiveness interest group uh, of the Collaboration for Healthcare Renewal, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to improving clinical outcomes and reducing medical costs. His professional interests focus on patient-centered, evidence-based models of care and the science of integrated medicine. His publications have appeared in the Journal on Workers' Compensation and the Orthopedic Clinics of North America. Michael, welcome to Workers' Comp Matters. Well, thank you, Alan. Pleasure okay. to be here. Well, you know, as I was reading and um, looking at your bio as a workers' comp attorney, when I see the words managing care costs or reducing medical costs, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh-oh, this guy isn't going to be helpful to my client base. Give us an idea of why that thinking might be wrong, and perhaps you can do so by telling us exactly uh, what Best Doctors, Inc. is and what your mission is. Sure. Uh, Best Doctors is an international healthcare improvement organization, and our mission is really to improve quality of care for folks literally throughout the globe. Uh, on any given day, we are getting referrals from patients who may be in England and South America with very complex medical conditions. And what they are looking for is an expert medical opinion to assure that the care they're getting locally is, in fact, the right care. The Occupational Health Institute actually grew out of that initiative. Uh, it, it actually goes back to, really, a, a cup of clam chowder I was having with Michael Kelly. Michael is the claim leader for a mutual insurance located in Massachusetts. And Michael was expressing a concern he had about just the, um, actually, the amount of narcotics that were being prescribed to injured workers and the quality of care that they were getting. All right. Now, uh, I do know Michael and A-Mutual, and I know he's a very proactive and um, dedicated claims professional. So he came to you. Did he, did he retain Best Doctors? Uh, he actually did not. Okay. He actually uh, retained me as a consultant to help better understand why was it patients were not doing well. You refer to them as claimants. To us, they're patients. 
And in our research at that time, what we found was that literally the quality of care that patients were getting was, I'll call it substandard for all intents and purposes. What would be some of the reasons, and, and I can, believe me, I can agree with you 100%, medical care, for the most part, of workers' compensation clients, I won't use the word claimant, and they're not my patients, but they are my clients, I, I, I think is substandard, and there's a variety of reasons I know for it. What are the, some of the reasons that you've seen in the workers' comp context? There are a lot of physicians who will not see workers' compensation patients. Uh, they won't because there may be a fee schedule issue. They won't because they don't want to be involved in litigation issues. Uh, just a, a whole variety of reasons. You know, we've tracked this pretty closely for a long, long time. And what we've found is that if you can identify in any community who are those physicians that are clinically excellent, very good with their diagnosis, very good with their treatment, and then you reimburse them equitably for their service, you know, they will see folks with work-related injury. Now, um, so do you have a, a roster of such physicians that you can make available to uh, an employer or insurer? We describe it as a community of physicians, okay. and they are folks who have agreed to be part of our institute. They have agreed to uh, work with our fee schedule, uh, which is designed to make sure they get paid equitably and on time. You know, in Massachusetts, we have, a, we have a state fee schedule, which is set a bit above the Medicaid rates, and that's problematic. We also have the ability to negotiate rates with insurers and physicians, and that's also problematic because there's a lot of twisting that goes in that. So we try and take that friction out of the process and make it just a very smooth, efficient program. All right. Now, so tell me as, as an attorney representing an injured worker, why, where do you see my client benefiting? Uh, how would you actually reach my client? Well, that's a wonderful question. When folks are injured on the job, uh, they will be, their insurance company will get notified. And depending on the level of injury, if you will, they might get referred to us at the Institute. One of our occupational health advocates will reach out to them, uh, find out what happened, and then offer them the opportunity to see one of our affiliated physicians. The unique benefit of that is that physicians are selected for the Institute really based on, number one, their clinical skills. Are they very good at what they do? Be they a surgeon, be they a physiatrist, be they a neurologist? And then number two, do they also appreciate what we call the productivity issues associated with work-related injury? And I wanna just talk a bit about that. When we think about successful outcomes, what we think about is, number one, is the patient able to recover from the event? And number two, can they return to their job in a safe manner? And success is really accomplishing both of those. Right. Well, what can a, um, an injured worker's attorney do, or what should we know in order to help our clients through the system? Well, the first thing I think anyone should appreciate, not just attorneys, is that the medical community out there comes in all shapes and sizes. There are very good ones, there are average ones, and there are also folks who are quite poor in their practice. And the first thing you want to make sure is that they're seeing someone who's skilled at what they do. The problem is there really aren't good tools out there right now for the consumer to assess that. There's a lot of work being done in that area, and I think we'll see more of in the future. Uh, but right now, what we did at the Institute was to identify 
who are the physicians, particularly in workers' comp, it's orthopedics, it's neurology, it's neurosurgery, who, have, who are good diagnosticians, have good clinical outcomes. And you can also look at uh, you know, how many times have they had malpractice suits brought against them. That tells you a lot about their skill sets. And then if you can help that injured worker get an appointment with that physician, and this is also important, and I mentioned to this, we talked about this a bit earlier, most of us do not know how to access good care. And when we look at the folks who get hurt at work, you know, very frequently, you know, they make their living pushing, pulling, and lifting. In our own research, what we've seen is that, you know, their educational level may be, you know, some college, high school or less. The medical system is complex anyway. So we use, we call them occupational advocates, to help that injured worker find the physician who is best for them. And do you, how do you deal with perhaps a conflict of interest, not, not in the sense that you have been hired by the insurer, but the, the patient is under the care of a doctor, mm -hmm. and that doctor is simply, let's say, just writing out a script every month for OxyContin, and this was going on for 18 months. Mm -hmm. How do you ethically... Uh, get that claimant or that patient to, you, know, you, you get them to, to try to leave that doctor? Do you uh, look for a transfer of care? How does that happen without running afoul of some uh, either ethical or uh, quasi-ethical problems? Yeah, that's really, a, that's a great question. You know, we will engage with the injured worker and really find out from them, are they satisfied with the way things are going? Give us yeah. an example of a case where this might have Happened. Well, I can give you a wonderful example. We had a situation with a fellow out in the uh, Springfield, Mass. area who had been on OxyContin for many, many years. You know, this is what I will call one of those almost a lost cause. The insurance company had given up on it. And by the way, what does an OxyContin habit cost per month, if you know? Oh, it can easily cost $500 to $1,000 a month. Okay, go ahead. Uh, plus, there's also the other medications that are given for the side effects of the narcotic. When we began a discussion with this particular person, he told us he was absolutely miserable. And when I say miserable, his relationship with his wife was on the rocks, you know, could not function because of the side effects of the medication, and really was not getting great pain relief either. And by the way, that's not uncommon. We offered him several different options. Well, first of all, how'd you get to talk to him? I assume he's represented by counsel. You've been hired by the insurance company who's paying sure. for this. Yeah. It would seem to me that there's a barrier there to talking to this guy. Oh, well, there is. Well, so and, what, what happened? How did you break that barrier? Uh, we actually had a discussion with the attorney, and I should point out, you know, this case had been settled, so it was an issue of, you know, uh, the settlement anymore. Of course, in Massachusetts, medicals stay open after a settlement, unlike other jurisdictions where they close, but that, right. you're right. In Massachusetts, medicals go on indefinitely. Right. And we approached him. We said, listen, you know, here's, this is what's going on here. He's not happy. And if this continues, this is how it's going to end up. And of course, the attorney isn't happy because every once in a while he gets a phone call, or at least I get the phone calls. I went to the pharmacy and this prescription wasn't renewed. And you have somebody who's addicted calling me. And well, that's these, a problem for me. So. Right. These don't go away. Right. So we were very fortunate. He said, yes, please go right ahead. We began a conversation with him and we, we actually offered several options. Right. You know, what are the options? Go ahead. Well, you know, the, the standard, and I think the medical evidence all 
strongly suggest that functional reconditioning is one of the very best things you can do. Right, I don't know what that means. Functional reconditioning is actually real simple. It's getting back to your life. It's getting back to moving, to exercising, to do things you enjoy. And understanding that because you have pain doesn't mean you can't do things. And what frequently happens is because the patients are so afraid of that pain increasing, they stop doing the things that brought them joy prior to the pain. So functional reconditioning is really nothing more than getting back involved, doing things. It might be as simple as walking the dog. It might be going fishing. You know, it might be doing yoga and don't laugh. It's extraordinarily effective. But it's getting them reengaged with the world. There's also something called cognitive restructuring. Cognitive restructuring is just sort of rethinking how you perceive the world around you. And very frequently what we see, particularly with folks who are on narcotics, is that they're very depressed, they're very unhappy, and it's really teaching them that, hey, you know what, stop, take a look, there's still good things out there for you. It sounds like a, a, a some type of physician or therapist, and it sounds like a potentially expensive and long-term proposition. It's uh, not necessarily, okay. not necessarily, because... You know, once you help an injured worker become a steward of their own care, help them start making decisions about the things they can do versus what they can't, mm -hmm. they get engaged. Okay, what are the other options? The other options are medication changes. Uh, there's also some technology out there, which candidly we're not big fans of. Because about spinal cord spinal stimulators. Spinal cord stimulators, you know, pumps. But I'll be candid, we don't see great results with those things. Mm -hmm. But the point is, you know, once the injured worker can begin to say, you know, let me try this. A good example is acupuncture, which I didn't mention. You know, 30% of the population who gets acupuncture will actually do quite well. There's a lot of evidence out there that shows that. And I noticed in the guidelines that Massachusetts yes. is producing for chronic pain, acupuncture is listed in there as a, an, an alternative or a supplement to uh, other protocols. Sure. Well, you know, my, my personal opinion is you can look at all these different things that are out there, but it's the patient's belief as to what's going to be best for them that makes the difference. And it's also making sure that what you have is evidence-based. But I want to get back to this individual well, I because— I want to stop you there. Yeah. Because you, you hit a couple of words that are a thorn in my side. Evidence-based and evidence-based medicine. Sure. Just tell us a little bit about that. what that is. Sure. Uh, the term evidence-based medicine means that it's been subject to what we call randomized controlled studies, which means you've taken whatever it is that, uh, whether it's a medicine or a piece of surgery, you've tried it on, you have two populations. One is the population that gets the medication or the surgery, and the other is the population that does not, and you then compare them, and you see whether or not that particular intervention makes a difference. Uh, and evidence-based simply means that that work has been done, and it has been shown that this intervention is effective. Okay. All right. Let's get back to the example you had in Springfield. Yes. Okay. So you laid out, the, was there a, a nurse case manager assigned? A pa we use patient. the term patient advocate. Okay. Patient advocate yeah. is assigned. He or she meets with the, uh, the, the patient, mm -hmm. and you mentioned there were these various... Right. Uh, uh, different options for uh, dealing with the opiate addiction. Which one in that particular case was, was selected and how did, how did it evolve? Well, it was, it was fascinating because uh, what he said to the patient advocate was that, you know, I think I'm going to try and wean myself off these. Okay. And that is exactly what he did. And he reported back to us because we check in. He said, you know, 
my pain is somewhat better, but I feel a whole lot better. And I'm much more satisfied with my life now than I was before. Okay. And this, this is not at all uncommon. You know, the side effects of these medications are not insignificant. And you really need to help. I'm pressing on this point because it's so important. You need to help the injured worker make decisions about what's going to be in their best interest in these situations. Right. So you really need a, a motivated and willing injured worker. You know you need a team. And when I say a team, certainly there are injured workers out there who will say right away, yes, I'm in, let's go. There are other circumstances where it takes some time. And they've got to realize, you know what, this really isn't working for me. I'm now ready for help. And there are also times when we'll reach out to the representative attorney and we'll say, listen, you know, this is what's going on here. This is where this is going to go if we do nothing. And can we work together to help this individual try and improve you know, their, their lifestyle and their status? Yeah. I mean, as, as we're talking, I'm thinking of two, three, four clients I've had currently and over the years, probably in a situation not unlike what you had described. Mm -hmm. uh, the cases have either been settled or maybe not settled, but uh, uh, long-term opiate Oxycontin, Percocet, uh, uh, use. And, you know, I, I, I can't, especially two or three of these that I'm, I'm, is coming to mind, I can't picture them wanting to change. I mean, their life is miserable. But they are scared stiff if they don't take that pill. Mm -hmm. uh, we know there's probably a physiological, physical addiction. It's probably not unlike a heroin addict because we're dealing with a similar substances. We've got to be very careful with terms. I, I know once, go ahead, no, help, help a, me there. Because what you find is many of these folks are dependent. That doesn't mean they're addicted. Okay. Okay. And I want to, we need to be crystal clear. Addiction means that the individual is exhibiting very inappropriate behaviors related to taking opiates. And that may be excessive use of the opiate, that may be diversion of the opiate, that may be taking the opiate simply for the pleasure of the high that the opiate provides. Dependence means that they are now physiologically dependent on that opiate for pain relief. Okay, so uh, you're drawing a distinction. There are people that do not have a physiological addiction to the opiate. I don't want to say merely or simply a dependent see on it, because I'm sure that can be just, if not more powerful than the physical. But is that what you're differ differentiating? Well, what, what I'm saying is that if one is addicted, one is exhibiting inappropriate behaviors surrounded by taking the medication. If one is dependent, one is functioning well in society, but they need that medication or they perceive the need for that medication to keep their pain levels under control. So, so in order for this, for this patient to be a success story, yes. does he or she really, how do you, how do you get that patient to buy into the system, to not be afraid and, and want to give up that dependency. I guess what I'm talking about is I think some of my clients, and I've talked to them outside my role as an attorney, sure. but in my role as another human being who's gotten to see their lives, a lot of them haven't reached that point yet where they want to do it. Mm. What we find, and this is, I think, one of the real unfortunate parts about the cop system, there's a lot of distrust. There's distrust about the uh, motivations of the insurer. The insurer has distrust about the motivations of the employee uh, or the employer for that matter. And what we find, and, and it's a very important role that we play, you know, while our services are retained by the insurer, we make it very clear our mission 
is to be there to help that injured worker get the quality of care that they need. Does that sometimes put you in odds with the insurer? Oh, I've had many interesting conversations with our clients. But I will tell you, uh, the thing that they find very valuable is knowing we have no agenda other than the truth and to do the right thing. And for them, that can be very refreshing because they know, okay, this is what it is. These are the experts, and they are telling us, you know, this is the best we can do in this situation. You probably would agree with me that uh, there are, as you were talking about, good doctors, middle-of-the-road doctors, and bad doctors. There are probably good insurers, mediocre insurers, and bad insurers. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but even though we're, we're both chuckling at that, right. uh, I think what we're uh, chuckling about is our knowledge that many, with many insurers, perhaps not many, but certain insurers, they don't care. Well, the, the, what happens once they pay that pharmacy bill, once they send out that check, once they send out that settlement check, this is a business. They just want to close the case, keep the cost down, and they really don't care about the future of the injured worker. At least that's my perception. I will share my perception. When one is purchasing something called workers' compensation, you are not buying insurance. Insurance is the financing vehicle. What you are buying is the ability of that organization to respond to someone who gets hurt at work. And you know, if you're looking to buy this particular resource, you want to look very carefully at what resources they have available to help injured workers when those events do occur. And I think it's very, very true. If you look closely at organizations, there are those insurance companies that are selling insurance, but there are also those that are really selling services to help that injured worker get the care they need, get back to work. And I'll tell you something else. If you do those things well, the cost of that service is far less than just buying plain old insurance. Well, that's a good note to take a quick break. We are going to break for a moment and come back with Michael Shore. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. Want to get CLE credit for the show you just listened to? Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and look for the words Engage Your Brain. Click there and you can choose what you need for credits and listen to our shows at the same time. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to Workers' Comp Matters. With me today is Michael J. Shore, the Managing Director of the Best Doctors Incorporated and Occupational Health Institute. Michael, we were talking about um, really what you folks do in the context of the overall workers' comp system um, I know you've been a, a participant, a stakeholder, an observer of the system for a number of years. If you could change one thing to improve the system of workers' comp, what would it be? It would really be very focused on quality of care issues. That is, doing everything it can to assure that when someone gets hurt, they're seeing a physician who's providing the right care at the right time. I also want to raise something else. When we look at 
work-related injury and who does well and who doesn't do well, one of the things that we see is that frequently folks who have, we call them biopsychosocial risk factors. These may be histories of smoking, diabetes, obesity. These complicate the medical situation dramatically. And one has to be willing to address those issues as well as the injury if you want to be successful. So do I take it then that sometimes you have to convince the workers' comp insurer that's paying for chronic pain from what I guess we'd call a failed back syndrome or a failed back operation, that they might have to invest some money in somebody that might control or treat a diabetes or a smoking or an obesity issue? Absolutely. And are you finding insurers willing to do that? I know if I if I were to call up an insurer and submit a claim for uh, – a weight control uh, program for an obese client who's having problems, I'm going to get a lot of pushback. Yes, and you'll still get pushback. What we find is we have the greatest opportunity, with, particularly smoking, and because of all those issues, you know, smoking is really one of the most devastating because that really interferes with the body's ability to heal. Uh, you know, if you, on a diabetic issue, you know, if the person has health insurance, we will try and work to make sure they're getting appropriate care for their diabetic care. Um, you know, obesity, we will try and work with them in terms of a weight loss program. But to be quite candid, there's only so far you can go on the workers' compensation side with those issues. But the important thing is we're raising the issues and people becoming aware of those issues and how important they are. If our audience today remembers one thing from our conversation, what would it be? You know, I think the most important thing is when you're seeking care, do your homework really understand how skilled is this particular physician in treating my particular condition, and do not be afraid to ask questions. You know, you're really talking about your future, your livelihood, and your health. It's too important, you know, not to leave the chance. If I, as an attorney representing a a large caseload of injured workers, what what do I need to do to do my job better? You know, what, what I would say is, when organizations like ours reach out to you, understand that we really do have the patient's best interest at heart and not to be afraid to engage with us. I would also say, you know, a lot of these issues that come up surround chronic pain, there's a lot of good information out there as to what works and what does not. Don't be afraid to do some research and find out what appropriate treatment should be to help folks with these issues. Well, Michael, thank you very much for being a guest today. We hope uh, those of you out there who listened uh, to us uh, enjoyed the show, and we hope you will join us for another Workers' Comp Matters show. Uh, Join us soon for these shows. Thanks for listening. I'm attorney Alan Pierce. Go out and make it a day that matters. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Workers' Cop Matters today on the Legal Talk Network, hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, where we try to make a difference in workers' comp legal cases for people injured at work. Be sure to listen to other Workers' Cop Matters shows on the Legal Talk Network, your only choice for legal talk. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. 
and me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.